0: Well, life is always wild when it's VBS week, no matter what the theme is. Amen, Christy? Amen. So, you know, maybe you can remember back to when you were in vacation Bible school. I can remember back when I was in VBS, and I remember when we used to, you know, have the little piano music that'd make you stand up or sit down. How many of you guys remember that, you know? And, and I remember all the little, uh, the little butter cookies and the Kool-Aid that get us all jacked up, you know, so, for Bible study. So we were really excited and hyperactive and wouldn't sit and listen. So, yeah, maybe I was a little wild during VBS week two growing up. But you know what I remember most about VBS? It's not the decorations as great as they may have been. It's not the games as fun as those might have been. It's not even the Bible stories as important as those were. What I remember the most are the men and the women who loved me enough to spend time with me and tell me about Jesus. That's what I remember. And that's what the boys and the girls who are going to be in this building this week are going to remember in the years to come about First Baptist Church. You know, we definitely need to pray for our VBS workers this week because, like I said, these kids can get a little jacked up and they can get a little hyper and they can get a little crazy and things can definitely be wild, but God is good. Amen? And I know that God is going to be at work this week drawing the hearts of children to Himself. He's going to be at work speaking to these kids and I'm so looking forward to seeing the decisions that are going to be made for Jesus. But when we talk about life being wild in this year's VBS, we're not just talking about wild games, wild activities, wild decorations, or even wild kids. We're talking about those times when life is a little unfair. When life is scary. And unpredictable and changing when life is sad. And yes, also when life is good. Now, no matter our circumstances, no matter what curveballs life may throw our way, we know that God is always good. He is never changing. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so this week, the kids are going to be looking at the wild life that God's people endured as slaves in Egypt. We're going to look at the the wildly miraculous way that God set them free from Egypt. They're going to look at how God provided for them and protected them as they journeyed through the wilderness. And then we're going to see, kids, how God fulfilled His promise and brought these people to a land that was beyond their wildest dreams. Now today, Ben and I are going to try something a little wild. We're going to tag-team this sermon. Okay, So I'm going to get us started. I'm going to pass it off to Ben. He's going to come up and he's going to preach part of it and bring the kids up and do a little bit of a children's sermon as a part of that. And then I'm going to come up at the end and and wrap it up. But let's begin with a look at the unfair circumstances that God's people find themselves in at the beginning of the book of Exodus. The first thing that our kids are going to learn, they're going to talk about this tonight, is that when life is unfair, God is good. When life is unfair, our God is good. Is still good. Now the Bible doesn't really use words like fair and unfair. The Bible isn't so much concerned with fairness. What the Bible is concerned about is justice. So you don't see fair and unfair in the Bible, but you do see the words just and unjust, and I think lots of times that's what we mean. When we say that something just isn't fair, I think what we mean is deep down in our bones, we know this isn't right. This isn't just so that's what the Bible is concerned about. And the people of Israel understood injustice about as much as anyone can. They endured 400 years of slavery to the most powerful empire at the world at the time, Egypt. They were forced into back-breaking labor. They helped to build the great cities and monuments of Egypt. They had to make bricks by hand to exacting standards. And if you didn't meet those standards, you were punished. We know the story where Pharaoh was threatened by the number of the Israelites and so he began to systematically slaughter every Hebrew baby boy. So they definitely understand what injustice is about. But what is it exactly that made that treatment unjust? Why was that unjust for Israel to be slaves in Egypt? Is it because they were the chosen people of God? Is it because God had promised Abraham that He would give this land to His descendants and that through them He would bless the world? Is that why it's unjust? Because of who Israel was? No. You see, that the injustice here goes so much deeper. Think about the things in your life that you think are unfair. Where do you see or where have you experienced injustice? You know, maybe you see when a criminal gets away with their crime. You think, that's not just. You see that somebody gets equally rewarded for doing less work, for doing a lesser job than someone else, and you think, that's not fair. Maybe you see that somebody gets the promotion that you were supposed to get, and you know that that person doesn't do half as good a job. Maybe there's a little bit of uh, of nepotism going on there or something, and you think, that's not just. That's not fair. That's not right. When bad things happen... To good people, deep in our bones, we know this is not the way the world is supposed to work. This can't be right. And why do we feel that? Why do we think that? Well, the Bible tells us that God created a good world. A very good world. A perfect world. And God set this world up to work a certain way. Hard work should be rewarded and recognized. People should always tell the truth. We should be able to rely on each other no matter what. Our lives should be lived and enjoyed to the fullest. We were meant to live lives of wholeness, beauty, and peace. And people, all people, are created equally in the image of God. We know this. This is how God created things to work. But... We also know sin came in and wrecked it, didn't it? It wrecked God's good world. The image of God within us has been twisted and marred. People aren't always truthful or trustworthy. Bad things do happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. Can I tell you something? In reality, there are no good people. In reality, we're all bad people, we're all sinners. And anything good that happens in any of our lives is mercy. that's grace. See from our perspective, we think, well, bad things happen to good people, good things are happening to bad people, but from God's perspective, we're all sinners. We're all There are none that are good. no, not one is what the Bible says. We've all fallen short of his glory, of His perfect intention for the world. None of us measure up, but there is enough of God 's image within us, still, marred as it is, to know that the world is broken. Things should not be the way they are. And we long to put it back together. We ache for Eden to return to that garden where everything was as it should be. We long for God's promised land. All of us do. But the problem is we can't get there on our own. We're like Israel. We're captives. We're slaves to our sinful nature, to our brokenness. It reminds me of when I was a kid. And one time I was at a neighbor's house and I was playing and I got my head stuck in a wrought iron fence. And if you've not noticed these ears, they stick out pretty good. I could not get my head out of that. No matter how hard I tried, I pushed, I squirmed. I tried this way, I tried that way. I couldn't get out. So my friend had to run and get my parents And after a lot of Vaseline around my ears and cutting a lot of the hair on the side of my head and Dad pulling on the bars while Mom's pushing on my head, I finally got unstuck. But I couldn't do it on my own. I had to have my parents come and help me out. And that was Israel, enslaved in Egypt, powerless on their own to change their circumstances. But just like my mom and dad was to me, God was good to them. And God came and He did what they could not do and set them free. Because guess what? God is greater than Pharaoh and He's more powerful than Egypt. And the same is true for you and me. See, we're stuck. We're stuck in our sin. We're stuck in our own mistakes and failures and rebelliousness. But God is good. He's loving. He's merciful. He's powerful. He alone can forgive our sins. He alone can right our wrongs. He alone can set us free to live the way we were always intended to live. But even once we're set free, even as Christians, life still seems, some, uh, seems fair and some, sometimes, doesn't it? Does life seem unfair to you sometimes? Is the Christian life easy? No! You know, we, things don't always go the way we want them to go. Spiritual growth is an uphill battle. You know, any time Jesus taught about spiritual growth, He used words like pruning dead branches, being refined by fire. He talked about dying to yourself. The least, the last, serve other people, give sacrificially, lay down your life, take up your cross. Does any of that sound easy? No. Getting back to Eden is made possible by God's grace. It's empowered by God's Spirit. But it's still a long and difficult journey for every one of us to get back to Eden. It won't be easy, and life won't always seem fair. You know, even Moses back in Egypt, as Moses was obeying God and was working to set the people of Israel free, it wasn't a walk in the park. And at first, when, when Moses tried to do what God said to do, Pharaoh, in retaliation, made the work harder for Israel. He said, you've got to go get your own straw to make bricks with. And he, he made the standards for the bricks even tougher. And he began to beat and persecute the people. And so they, in turn, blamed Moses. And here Moses is trying to set them free, and they're mad at Moses. He's probably thinking, well, that's gratitude for you. Moses had to constantly put up with Pharaoh changing his mind. Every time a plague would come, Pharaoh would say, "Right, Moses, tell God to call it off, I'll, I'll let your people go. And as soon as the plague stopped, he changed his mind. He pulled the rug out from under Moses. That happened nine times before that tenth plague finally broke him. I want you to listen to Moses' conversation with God after that first confrontation with Pharaoh, listen, listen to this in, in Exodus chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's brought trouble upon this people. And you've not rescued your people at all. And then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. And God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they lived as aliens." Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. When life seems unfair, God is good. God's hand is mighty. God hears our cries. He remembers the promises in His Word. And God will rescue you. He will set you free. God will redeem you with His outstretched mighty arm. God will take you to be His own people and He will be your God. He will bring you to that glorious future that He has promised. He is the Lord. And He is good. Amen? Ben
1: see if my mic's working. It is. I think it is fitting uh, that we're actually doing this today, David, because on VBS week, it takes everyone. It takes everyone and every single part. So we have lots of people that have been working behind the scenes. And then this week, we have people doing snacks, people continuing to teach. And every single part is equally important uh, for the grand vision of what VBS is. So I think it's uh, a neat image that we're both tag teaming this today. Um, our Next point is when life is scary, God is good. Psalm 23, verse 4 reminds us, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. You know, I started working with kids when um, I was a junior in high school and went to a church camp. And uh, a summer camp. I was out there all summer, had different kids. And I remember one of the first groups I had was the littlest kids that I had all the whole summer. Uh, We were having a great time. It was out, the camp's out in the middle of nowhere. I I still don't think they get cell phone reception today, uh, especially back then. And uh, we had walkie talkies and I was out there at an outdoor pavilion playing games with kids. And this one of those moments, life gets scary. And sometimes it's pretty quick. Uh, We had a storm go through last night. That was kind of scary. And in the middle of playing with these kids, I, I noticed the the clouds were getting dark. They were surrounding us, and all of a sudden, I get a call on the on the walkie-talkie that uh, there's a tornado that has touched down on, just around the lake, and that's about to get really bad. And there's not enough time to get anywhere else except any cover we can get. So, with our best face forward, we uh, got the kids, and we were at an outdoor pavilion. They had a concrete. A uh, stage, kind of like this, and then there were storage rooms under the stage. So we emptied out those storage rooms. We got all the kids underneath. Uh, really didn't tell them details of what's going on, but we knew things could start getting scary. And we started praying, and we started singing this little light of mine, even though we were in the complete dark. And we sang Amazing Grace, and we were just singing church camp songs, just getting the kids. And they could start hearing the sounds of the wind outside. Life gets scary sometimes. We made it through and, and by God's grace and came out and we had all these tables set up, kind of like our round tables. And just imagine these round tables had been rolling all the way across the field. That's how strong the winds got. And life is scary sometimes. Circumstances get dicey. You're, stru- you're stuck in the mi- middle of it. What will you do? Where, where will you turn? And we continue to follow along the story of Israel right here. God shows off power unlike anything we've seen so far, except, I guess, creation in this book of Exodus. And we need to remember that uh, this was happening to the Egyptians and Pharaoh, but Israel was not out of it. Israel did not have a detour to get around uh, of seeing these plagues and what God was about to do. Israel saw firsthand, along with the whole nation of Israel, The devastation that was about to come. But God was not going to forget them. God was not going to forget them, even when things got scary. And that's important to remember. God does not forget us in our dark valley. The Israelites, as they saw God's power in in these plagues coming, it's interesting to look at these plagues, because I think they, and we'll quickly go through them, but I think they touch on areas that we fear. Of of things we fear of being taken away from us. Uh, And and the first one was the Nile River. And this was the heart of Egypt. The Nile River is where they were settled. And this was the lifeblood of the nation. If something happens to this river for the future, then this nation does not exist. And that's the first plague that happens. Water turned into blood. I just think, life gets fearful for us sometimes when things out of necessity that we take for granted are taken away from us. The second plague is also associated with the Nile. It says frogs swarm from it and infest the land. And Egypt also had gods, false gods, that they believed were in control of all of these. So one by one, the Lord is turning these things over in his hand. Pharaoh thinks he can replicate these things. He brings these magicians and they're showing these illusions and things that really aren't real. And gradually, the seriousness of these plagues continued to get scarier and scarier. And then the work of the magicians and their effects diminish more and more. Egypt had a god of earth. And guess what? Aaron strikes the earth with his rod and gnats scatter. And I don't know about you, living here in Georgia, I've discovered there's a gnat line. Uh, and when you get in southern Georgia, those are enough for me. Uh, getting that. So I can't imagine all the gnats all over the whole land. The fourth plague, God makes a distinction between the people of Egypt and the lords. So this is the first one that he shows not only the rest of the plagues that kind of happened to everybody, but this one he makes a distinction. This one's going to happen to Egypt, but not my people. God remembers. Remember, God remembers his people in the valley. He showed not only I can make this happen, but now this discomfort, this destruction is coming straight for Egypt. Flies swarm and they destroy the land. With the fifth plague, there is another devastation, uh distinction in the plague. All the livestock in the field. So their livelihood that's seen in horses And cattle, camels, and herds, and flocks, they all die. For the Egyptians, they all die. And with the sixth plague, this is another area that uh, we fear. Egypt has had a goddess of health and medicine and peace. We think about our health. And we get fearful when something comes up that might take some of that away. The sixth plague was boils, and it took down that false god. And even Pharaoh's magicians, they couldn't stand before Aaron, it says in the scriptures, because they too were covered in boils. This is kind of when they stepped out. This was more than they could handle. The seventh plague, a hailstorm. The Egyptians had a goddess of the sky. God overturns that. I don't know about you. Have you ever seen a powerful hailstorm? Ice falling. Usually it's just a little bit, a little bit of pebbles. Um, the town I grew up in Knoxville just years ago, they had this terrible hailstorm. Uh, I mean, almost baseball-sized golf ball to baseball-sized hell that was falling. And it happened to fall on an area that's called the airport motor mile. Out by the airport, all of these car dealers are lined up. And that's where that hell went. Entire entire um, companies lost every car that was out on that lot. All the glass was shattered out of them. Uh, my sister-in-law, her, her car was totaled. And we think about that, we get fearful about storms and and Mother Nature and things that are out of our control that we're all of a sudden put into. And then the eighth plague was a plague of locusts. I watched this video clip uh, from the Planet Earth series. I've never seen it. They have a a clip just on what these locusts look like and the devastation. And uh, this is the eighth one. So I used to think, you know, these are getting progressively worse. And then I, I saw a video of what this can, what this looks like, locusts devastating the land, and that completely stops everything. If you think of farming and 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 that you depend uh, to provide for your family and, and maybe uh, to make money, and all of a sudden your land, crops, everything are devoured. That's devastating. That's scary. That's scary. And they, and all along this point, remember Moses and Aaron. They're going before Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He tries to do this bargaining with with them at at one point, and he's not going to get his way. The ninth plague. Other than the Pharaoh himself, nothing was more worshipped in Egypt than the sun. Ra was the false god of the sun, and the Lord showed that he had control over the sun as a witness that the God of Israel has ultimate power over life and death. So I can't imagine the psychological and the religious impact that would have uh, over the Egyptians at this point of darkness, total darkness. You know, last night during the storm, the lights flickered a little bit at our house, so we didn't lose power. But when those lights flickered, our kids were, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> we, we were scrambling for flashlights because we all, a lot of us have that just innate fear of losing Uh, Losing power, being put in the dark. And then the tenth plague. Pharaoh was worshipped most of all. He was seen as a son of a God, actually, and manifest in the flesh. And after the plague of darkness filled the land and was lifted, Pharaoh resumed his positioning of bargaining with God. He tried to bargain with God, even at this last moment. I mean, everything else had been taken away. What more? And he still pushes To do a deal. Since all the Egyptian animals had been consumed by the judgment of the Lord, Pharaoh now made a request to let the people go, but they must leave their animals behind. That's not going to work. This was an unacceptable offer. As animals were were to be used as sacrifice to the Lord and uh, for the Lord's people in their exodus, this was not a, a position to be bargained with with the Lord. God gives the Israelites specific instructions how to prepare for their homes for the Passover, what's about to happen. Very important event in the life of Israel. Remember, God has not forgotten his people. God has not forgotten his people in the midst of scary situations. A spotless lamb took the place of their firstborn son to protect him from this plague of death. Think about that image. Think about what Jesus Christ, God's Lamb, has done for us. His shed blood. Very powerful image. So, take away two points from this. Number one, God has not forgotten us in the middle of what we're going through right now. We will be in that scary situation. Maybe some of us, it's right now. Maybe our health is not quite where we would like it. And that's a little bit scary. Maybe something's going on in our family. Maybe there's there's something that has really just cut us down and it's something we've depended on before that we don't have right now. And we're kind of lost. God remembers you. I think of Jesus going to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he showed, he kind of reversed some of these. He reversed death. Uh, he calmed the storm. Jesus has complete control. And he has control in our lives. And he knows what we're going through. Number two, fears may seem like plagues. They block out, they can block out God and his goodness. His goodness does not change, despite the circumstances. Sometimes we may wonder, where is he in our world when we look at what's going on in the news around us? Sometimes it looks like some plagues actually going on right now in some parts of the world. And kids, we're going to talk more about this, our fears and conquerors and how who conquers that. Uh, but right now, I wanted to talk a little bit about that, uh, just in a message up here. So, kids, if you can come forward. I am already have the mic on, so just come forward. And we're going to talk a little bit about fears, because I know we all have them. So I had a really good illustration of a fear, because last night, that storm. That was one of the strong summer storms with lightning and thunder that I can remember. Did y'all get a little afraid at some point listening to the lightning and the thunder? I don't know if it was strong at your house. It was pretty strong at our house. sounded like it was some of the lightning was right outside. Did anybody's uh, lights go off? Did anybody lose their power? Okay, how'd that feel? It was, scary. It was kind of scary. Yeah, and the scary. and the lights flickered. Yeah, lights. the TV went off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it couldn't, channels couldn't come on anymore. That's scary. We, don't get we rely on our TV channels and they're not coming on anymore. Well, I want to show you a few things in here. Nothing in here will hurt you. Okay? But I've already had a few screams because of what I brought. So just warning you. Is anybody afraid of these? Okay. Snakes. Snakes. There's some people cringing right now out in the pews right now. Snakes can be a little bit scary. Some of you are like, oh, those are pretty neat. Yeah. Um, Snakes. Anybody scared of snakes? Yeah? A little bit scared of snakes? I was hiking one time and I was the second person in line. always be the second person in line. I was behind my cousin and he jumped right over a timber rattler that was asleep on the trail. He jumped over it and I almost stepped right on it. That was scary. Is anybody scared of these? Ooh, okay, all right, I see the spider people. All right, <laughs> spiders. Huh? Yeah, spiders. You know, these are just a few things that we're scared of. But life can be scary. Just other things in life. Not just animals and, and storms. But there's, there's times in life... That we're, we're just a little bit scared. And who is always good, no matter what's going on when we're scared? Jesus. Yes. Yes. Jesus. God. Yes. <laughs> All yes. We need to remember, in that moment, when we're a little bit scared, we can pray just like that story I was telling with those kids. I was with kids just like you during a bad, bad storm. And we prayed. We knew God was good. We prayed for Him to, to watch over us. And we sang songs to him, remembering that he's good. And we're going to do that at VBS. So I want you all to remember, tonight, come back tonight. Remember, if there's a friend you haven't invited yet, it's not too late. Invite them. Tell their family. Tell tell your parents. We need to invite this family, this neighbor. And they can come tonight, okay, to VBS. Okay? If you haven't signed up, parents, help us out by signing up uh, online today. That will save a little bit of time. All right. Thank you, kids. You can go back. When life is scary, God is good. Our next next point, when life changes, God is good. When life changes, God is good. How many of us like change? (laughs) I saw one hand quickly, but then they changed their mind. Um, just looking out at where everybody's sitting, and I kind of guessed where a lot of you would sit, uh, besides some of you being moved from kids, we don't like change, do we? Even from the pews we sit in. Maybe except for vacations, right? Vacations during the summer. Uh, that, that's an acceptable change. Going to a destination, uh, but a lot of times we know that destination. We go back to there, don't we? Even our vacations can be uh, familiar, Sometimes we don't even like changing those things. How excited and celebratory the Lord, uh, the Israelites must have been when the sea split and God's people uh, passed through the waters. Then turning back and Pharaoh, this great enemy and his armies are swept away. But guess what's about to happen? Their circumstances are about to change, isn't it? Even though they were... They were conquered. They were basically slaves in this land. They were comfortable. And they're about to be moved out. And then the grumbling and complaining start happening. Almost immediately when they leave Egypt. It's kind of crazy, right? But aren't we the same way? Aren't we the same way many times? It says in Exodus 14, 11, and 12, the people make it out like Moses is forcing them out of Egypt. What? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? It's unbelievable. <laughs> but you know, we resist change as well. We kind of re- like to remain in the routines of things. Same pews, same places to eat right after church. Same morning routine, same evening routines. These can all be all well and good, but we are creatures of habit. And that includes being in, sometimes in a rut spiritually. And sometimes maybe we're going through this change in order to teach us something, in order for us to grow. You know, sometimes having opportunities right in front of us to serve the Lord, to maybe uh, if we're not having a consistent quiet time to to set those, that's going to require a change in us. And we don't like to be moved sometimes from that. It requires a change to our plans, maybe a change to our comfort zone to, to serve in a way that we haven't served before. Maybe a change to our surroundings. I often say to my youth on a retreat or a camp or mission trip, now don't forget the things you've learned here from the Lord and, and the way you've grown, the challenges of spiritual gl- growth that these speakers and, and the lessons and quiet time to put into you. Because when you get back, it's easy to fall back into the routines of the way things are. Because we're demanding a change, but it's hard to get there. So being on a spiritual high at camp is easy. The test is when you get back. Being inspired when you come to hear David's messages every Sunday is a good thing. But it's what changes in us also between Monday and Saturday is the key. It's a constant battle in our flesh and our desires because we swing back into the routine. We fall back into a rut. It's easy to get distracted by many things that we do over and over and over again and not increase our relationship with Jesus. When we aren't seeking Lord, it's easy to fall back. So that's why we can have those mountaintop experiences, you know, spiritually, going somewhere, having a new experience, and then right when we get back, maybe even on the car ride home, there's a yelling or argument going on. Or we hear these great truths being preached Week after week. But then we're kind of at each other about where to eat right afterwards. It's kind of petty stuff, but we do it. We're kind of like the Israelites. They were on a mission to trust the Lord. They had already seen all these grand things I just talked about with the plays. It's kind of hard to wrap our minds around the grumbling and complaining, but when we really take a serious look about who we are, we would have been right along with them. But the Lord is still at work even when circumstances change, even when it's out of our control, even when it doesn't seem that maybe this is the best route. It's a different route. God is still in control and we need to look at our attitudes. A lot of times ourselves, we are getting in the way of people seeing the love of God. This is what happens to the nation of Israel in the wilderness. It's kind of a consequence of... of, Of their actions and uh, or inactions and their grumblings. They're going to be wandering the wilderness. Uh, And God was providing everything that they needed. He was there. Remember, his goodness was always there. He provided quail. He provided manna for them. Kids quail like a small bird, a little bit smaller than chicken. I don't know how they taste. I haven't tried quail. Manna, we don't really know. Grain from heaven. Heavenly cornflakes. We don't know. Uh, <laughs> but God knew how to provide for them. He knew just how much to provide. In fact, when He gave them manna, there was a consequence for even storing more. Because we're like that too. We, we want to hold on. This isn't going to be enough to get me through. We hold on. And the manna wasn't good in the morning. The stuff that they held on to. As I close, from Mission McDuffie. This week, um, we had a great experience serving and and about changes in circumstance. This often happens at a Mission McDuffie site. Someone that's nearby, maybe a neighbor, comes over to see what's going on. And I always like to pinpoint that person and go out and have a conversation with them, just see what's going on. So this man limped over with his crutch and he said, You know, in 1985, doctors said I wouldn't walk again. He said... Now, I limped over to you with my crutch today. He goes, I am thankful for my limp. A lot of times our circumstances have changed, and maybe we're limping through it, but there's blessings there. There's blessing upon blessing there. That sometimes we fail to realize. So how wonderful that in the middle of changing life circumstances, despite our emotions and attitudes changing, people's unpredictable actions, that we have assurance in God's character, God's promises, and God's word. It doesn't change.
0: So life can be scary, life can be filled with change, life can be unfair, life can be sad, but guess what else? Life can be good, can't it? Life can be good. And so we, we kind of pick up on the last day of VBS this week, we skip ahead a little bit and we look at Joshua leading the people of Israel finally into that land that he had promised Abraham so many generations ago. And we see that God is good, that He does remember His promises. He does keep His Word. But a lot of battles still lay ahead for Israel. Again, it's not going to be a walk in the park for them. They're going to have ups and downs. Life is still going to seem unfair and scary at times. There are plenty of changes yet to come. But for now, in Joshua's chapter 3 and 4, the people of Israel pause to remember, to celebrate, and to give thanks. Because life is good and god is good just think about all the good gifts your good father has given you I mean, we could list we could talk about jobs and family and friends and food to eat and roof over our head we could also talk about salvation god's grace and the forgiveness of our sins we could talk about the gift of His Holy Spirit. You know, it's the Holy Spirit that led Israel into the Promised Land. It's the Holy Spirit that empowered Joshua to lead the people to march around Jericho. It's the Holy Spirit that brought down those walls. It's the Holy Spirit that gave them every inch of ground they set their feet upon. Zechariah 4.6 reminds us that all of our victories, accomplishments, and gifts come not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It's the gift of the Spirit of God that empowers all of our successes, successes all of our accomplishments and victories. We, we can remember and celebrate the gift of God's Word. And it's God's Holy Spirit that takes God's Word and illuminates our heart and teaches us and guides us and helps us to share that truth with other people. We could give thanks for the gift of God's people, the church. And as I said, today's Pentecost Sunday. We celebrate the coming of the Spirit. We celebrate the birth of the church. These are amazing gifts that God could give us. There is so much to celebrate. Why don't we do it more? Why don't we celebrate more? You know, I'm I'm always fascinated by how many of the laws in the Old Testament are about feasts, festivals, rituals that are meant to remind the people of Israel who they are, whose they are, and that their God is a good God. And we have things that we do, don't we, to remember And to celebrate. We come together every Sunday in this sanctuary as the people of God to worship Him together to remember and celebrate that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That our God is a God of grace and mercy. We read God's Word. We meditate upon Scripture every day to remind us who we are and whose we are. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are great reminders, great visual ways that we can celebrate the good things that God has done. And we see the people of Israel doing the same thing in Joshua 3 and 4. God, just like He parted the Red Sea for them to leave Egypt, God stops the waters of the Jordan so they can enter the promised land on dry ground. And as they follow that visual reminder of God's goodness, the Ark of the Covenant, they do something interesting. God tells them to pick up stones from the middle of the river and to set them up to make a monument on the riverbank. And why are they to do that? Well, listen to what it says in Joshua 4, 4 through 7. So Joshua called together the twelve men. He had appointed them, the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. And in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. The Ark of the Covenant, these stones, the circumcision and, and, the, and the celebration of the Passover were always for them to remember and to celebrate the goodness of God. The Bible never promises life will be easy. In fact, Jesus said in john 1633 "I've told you these things so that in me." you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The Bible promises, not an easy life, but the Bible promises that our Good Shepherd is going to walk with us. He's going to give us pastures to be refreshed and, and waters to rest by. He's going to walk with us and to guard us and protect us with His rod and His staff, even through the darkest valleys. He's going to lead us down the right paths when we don't know which way to go. God's presence will be so powerful in our lives that even when we're surrounded by our enemies, we can sit down and eat with confidence that He is going to protect us. We all are going to experience times when we're sad, when we're lonely, when we're afraid, when it seems like our world is turning upside down, but guess what? God is always there with us. God is always good. And we need to remember that. We need to celebrate that. We need to tell that to each other and remind each other of the goodness of our good, good Father. This morning, do you know that God is good? Have you experienced the goodness of His grace? You know, our sins can make life wild and crazy and scary. But our God forgives our sins. He washes them away. He gives us a fresh start, a clean slate. Have you experienced that this morning? If not, I invite you as we stand to sing right now to come and to experience the grace and mercy of our good, good Father. Come put your trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe God is leading you to unite with this church to say, this is where you want to worship. This is where you want a group of, uh, a family of faith to help you navigate those wild times of life. This church wants to be here for you. Whatever God is speaking to you, would you respond as we stand and sing together this morning?